name's Steve Bauer. This is Steve Bauer's Grateful Dead Podcast. Thanks for stopping by, tuning in, downloading. I'm glad to be here. I've been kind of under the weather. I had this gnarly sinus infection, allergy thing situation happening, and you can probably still hear it in me. I'm a little stuffy yet, but I feel like a human being again, and I'm glad uh, to be back uh, among the living. So, uh, today... I'm thrilled I'm deviating from my normal format, whatever that may be, um, a little bit. I have a friend coming over, and we're going to talk about the Grateful Dead. Uh, Specifically, we're going to talk about one man's, uh, I guess, journey to the bus stop and him uh, getting on the bus. And uh, I think it's going to be really interesting and fun. Uh, His name is Joel Egger. He's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for about 15 years. And we are, uh, our paths, uh, we're not at all similar. We, uh, you know, met each other and have kind of just become close over the years. And Joel is a, he's an acting drama professor here at a, a private college in Nebraska. He has an MFA from Cal Arts in Los Angeles, California. And he's just a genuinely far out guy and an iconoclast and a really fun person who does really amazing artistic work, who uh, came to the Grateful Dead through a path, I think, that's really unique. Uh, Not that, you know, everybody's path is unique, but Joel's just, he's, uh, I've gotten to watch him kind of stand off in the distance and go, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's not, no, uh uh-uh. And then, you know, now he's all in, and it's just really, (laughs) it's really just fun, and I'm grateful for that, um, because he's, one of my best friends, and it's cool to go to shows with him. And so what I am looking forward to is talking about with him I about his perspective on kind of coming to this thing. Um, because I know what it, my perspective of his, his journey is, so I'm curious about um, his perspective of it. And uh, I think it's just going to be an interesting conversation. And kind of depending on how that goes, we might play some music too. Um but anyway, that's uh, what's going on uh, today, and I'm looking forward to it. Here's uh, my conversation with my very good friend, Joel Egger. Well, uh, hi, Joel. How's it going? Hi, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have enough coffee? Uh, barely. I, I got a double shot of espresso on the way over here just to get primed. Okay, good. All yeah. right. Well, I feel like we're as ready as we're going to be to do this. <laughs> so, you listened to the little intro I did. Yeah. Um, you... And I like that you called me an iconoclast. I don't, I've never referred to myself <laughs> as that, but I'll take it. Well, you wouldn't because you're just... Yeah, you don't. I don't think you get to dub yourself that. No. <laughs> but it's great when other people do it. <laughs> yeah, well, good. I'm glad you like that because, you know, that's you. You uh, march to your own beat i try yeah that's yeah. good what are your bona fides what for the people that don't know you they're thinking who the who's this guy uh i am a theater artist i think i probably i don't know i've been spending a lot of time in that world right now and uh as a professor at uh, a liberal arts college here that's kind of been my north star lately so that's mm. like the thing that that drives me i think about especially when you start talking about the grateful dead and their whole life as a live band i have always kind of thought of them in the theatrical sense almost in like the greek arena theatrical sense Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of that's my perspective too but i'm also you know i love music sure music when i was a teenager music allowed me to be me like it gave me it gave me a way to be me. And I think that's a common thing for teens to really identify with their peer group and whatever music scene that yeah. they're, like, that's a thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You were a teen. You were a, you had, you, you were, I would say, had a little bit of angst going on. Yeah. I was a, I was a child of the 90s. So, like, I was born mm. in 1980. So, it was 1991, <sighs> 1992. I was in junior high, and I was, um starting to steal cigarettes and you know do bad things you know drink drink my buddy's parents booze from right from their liquor cabinet right and so music was a great way to sort of uh support that i guess sure but it was so so right around the time 91 92 93 i mean i had I, i had the uh 
the gift of an older brother who was in high school to turn sure. me on to other music. But also, it was kind of I was glued to MTV. Right. Well, and where were you at this time? Where Columbus, Nebraska. Columbus, Nebraska. Yep. For those of you that don't know, it's town. Ten thousand people ish. Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Okay. Double that. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, well, I was in Columbus in junior high, and I was starting to rebel a little bit and find out, starting to grow my hair out a little bit, and it was like music was the way to kind of, I don't know, justify all that. So it was early '90s. So for me, it was, uh, you know, an interesting, an interesting band to bring up was this because when I was a kid, I had a cousin who turned me on to Beastie Boys, mm, and yeah. they were like fun and sure. kitschy at mm-hmm. the time. And then I remember going to um, Bogey's Music in Columbus, Nebraska, and buying the new Beastie Boys tape, which was Check Your Head. Yeah. And that... Great album. Great album. And I played that ad nauseum. So it was like (laughs) this thing. It was like, oh, these kitschy dudes that talked about Fight for Your Right to Party were also playing funk and punk and kind of blowing minds. Sure. Kind of like legit music. It wasn't just like a novelty, smart ass act. Right. They were legit musicians. And so that was kind of my gateway into uh, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Which was the, the, the thing at the time. That was the thing. That if you the, were re- a rebellious kid in the early '90s, you were on the Seattle grunge tip. Right, because I never really, I never really thought that like Guns and Roses and Warrant <laughs> were cool. Like, right. and Metallica and Megadeth scared me. <laughs> right, like straight up. The te- like I grew up in a pretty, pretty fundamentalist Christian experience. So like skulls and stars right. and. The, iconography of that and that comes up for grateful dead in a minute sure. but that that all kind of freaked me out that was evil that's interesting okay so sure. yeah see know. i was down with that like i saw the cover of kill them all on this kid's yeah. t-shirt yeah i was in like ninth grade maybe and i was like i'm in i don't know what that is but <laughs> kill them all i well and i it did terrify me a little bit but i'm like yeah that's there's something going on there yeah and i think i always kind of thought it was dark and weird and mysterious but I, there was also this this story of you know they were worshiping satan or something they were sacrificing goats and goats in their basement or something yeah, see, so I, I very quickly like delegitimized that that story because yeah. that was a big thing in the early 80s sure, yeah with ozzy osbourne and bats yeah. and satan and ritual killings i'm like that's all bullshit right so anyway <laughs> go ahead yeah so that that was the whole thing like so so like Pearl Jam was my band, but a lot of my friends were in Nirvana. And then, so anything Seattle, that, that was the thing that in small town Nebraska, we were like, that's it. Right. That's the new thing. And and of course, it was taking over the airwaves. And right. It was turning everybody onto Alternative that. Alternative rock. Right. So, um, so I was all in on that stuff. Right. You know, um, and uh, the interesting thing, though, was that when that started to explode, there was this, and it was, it was early 90s, so the Grateful Dead were still around. Oh, yeah. So... They that you started. I started being more aware of them as something other than the band with skulls on their sh- on their shirts. Sure. Okay. So right. I always this is interesting, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I've kind of I when I saw Grateful Dead iconography with the steal your face skull uh-huh. and the skull and roses shit, I thought they were just of that Megadeth. <laughs> I I, I <laughs> had no so idea. Funny. Right? I know. I had no idea. Yeah. But the image of that, which mm-hmm. is funny, because Jerry kind of always hated the skull thing. But, <laughs> but what was interesting about that was that I just kind of always associated that they were like evil, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so I never. I Some never, people would still say they are. Yeah, but... <laughs> of course. But they weren't like kill them all. Right. Right. You right, know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was that. Just the imagery of it was was the thing that was like confusing because I remember my brother's friend Jenny who uh, introduced me to a lot of things. But she introduced me to... <laughs> a lot of respect for Jenny. Yeah, Jenny Chaffee, if you're out there, I love you. Um, <laughs> she she turned me on to... I remember. I can remember distinctly listening. She's like, let's listen to some Grateful Dead. And I, the, the circumstances of that are a little fuzzy. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. But I remember she played Uncle John's Band, the studio mm. version mm-hmm. of that. And my mind melted. Right? I was like, oh. th- they, this is the Grateful Dead, and I always thought they were skulls, and it's because because roses were Guns and Roses, and skulls were like Megadeth and Iron Maiden. Sure. And then it was Uncle John's band, right? Not and what it, you're expecting, not at all, right? And 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 it sort of like blew me away. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember if it was her or if it was my stepdad gave me Europe '72. Mm. That's such a good entry point. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the best of was mm-hmm. kind of my, I'd heard that first. Which is really like a misnomer. Yeah, right. 
but Europe 72 was the thing that I was like, I actually listened to. Mm-hmm. And it and it separated, I'll go back a little bit. So the 90s, like everybody was kind of, the neo-hippie thing was on and I had friends right. that were kind of deviating. Like spin doctors. Spin and, doctors, yeah. but also like then fish. Yes. So that, so they were around, but that I had friends that were starting to listen to fish and mm-hmm. that they latched onto that. And I didn't really, I was still, I wanted to like stage dive and mosh and I wanted right. to, you know, tear my flannel shirt and sing about my girlfriend. That, that, that's, <laughs> you know, like that's what I wanted to right. do. Yeah. That's what I was into. I was Eddie Vedder and, right. uh, Chris Cornell. Fish is a little more esoteric. Yeah. And it was great, but it just sounded like really far out jazz to me. Right. Like it just, I didn't really, it was like, oh wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh huh. But it didn't have didn't any connect. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't right. have any human connection for me sure yeah but i dug it and i listened to it i really tried right um so so there were people that were listening to the grateful dead and i guess i just i was like oh that's for people that just want to drop acid and smoke weed all day like it didn't i mean yes but it was like that's i don't know if i don't know if i can really get into it and plus it started to become the thing where it was like save me from your followers you know sure oh i get that you know I, i i didn't I I wouldn't allow myself to really enter the music of it or the story of the band because there were a bunch of 90s kids that were, you know, white kids with dreadlocks that were... Maybe missing the point a little bit. Yeah, maybe missing the point. Or they were getting the point for them, but it sure. just didn't... Yeah, that, I should retract that statement. That wasn't fair. Yeah, it just wasn't... It just didn't really... It didn't really hook me. Right. And even when I was doing drugs in the 90s as a you know, teenager, it just, that just really didn't, I mean, it was kind of fun to listen to every once in a while, but right. it was just like, if I, if I sign up for that, then I have to sign up for the whole thing. And it just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't really. Well, and the flannel shirts weren't gonna, no, you'd have to change your whole wardrobe. Really? Change, yeah. The yeah. combat boots were going to have to go right. The torn up jeans. Right. So I, I dug it, but it wasn't the thing that grabbed me. It wasn't the thing that moved me. That's legit. Time. At yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and see that. See, and we've had this conversation, but for the benefit of the people out there, like I was during that when the grunge tip hit in Seattle and Kurt Cobain and all that, yeah. I was knee deep in Grateful Dead. Right. And so I was very much looking at that with a askance, like, nah, that's yeah. just that's the latest corporate. Garth Brooks isn't selling anymore. Hair metal's dead. <laughs> they need something. Get yeah. the get the surly guys in the flannel. Yeah. Let's get them a producer, and well, that'll be the thing. And, sure, is, and it did. It exploded. Yeah, which is exactly what happened. And it did. Much tap- to the chagrin of most of those guys in Seattle. Right. They're, they're like, screw which this. Which, again, is a, that, there's a great, and we've talked about this, about like how the Seattle scene in the 90s was very... There was a lot of parallels to the, the San Francisco scene in the late 60s, which is that they those guys... Uh, especially I, like the dead regarded the record companies as robber barons. Yeah. Right. But they were coming in to yep. profit off of their scene and they didn't like them. No. And they made every effort to make themselves uh, inaccessible. Well, yeah. But eventually, you know, money talks. Well, it's just funny. Yeah. It's just funny <laughs> reading that. Uh, we're jumping around, but I'm reading that book, that living with the dead book, I, you know, the, talking about the Monterey pop festival and they were mm-hmm. like, you're gonna sell our image. You're gonna sell this movie all over the place. They were one of the first bands in that whole thing that didn't just say, "Oh my God, you love me." They're like, "No, what are you gonna do with this?" Right. And they they were from the onset rebelling against that robber baron yep. thing, which is you know they're so punks, I, right? They're punks. absolutely they're punks. Punks. Yep. Punks in you know paisley shirts. Yeah. So I guess I guess that was and kind that, of, I, so I can see I I kind of feel for the Seattle people. You know, yeah. twenty plus years. How long is that? Seventy. Yeah, twenty years later. Like, yeah, yeah we. I guess. And a lot of those groups went. Yep, we're on. Sign us up. Let's sure. do this. Sure. And some were a little more standoffish. Yes. And suspicious. Yes. And, and rightly so. And it pushed them to do other things to not be what they started out to be. You know, like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Owls. They they kind of pushed away from that. But there were there were musicians that were flocking to the Pacific Northwest to glom onto that too, right. just like the hate yeah. in yeah. in the sixties. So. Yeah. But yeah, so that was kind of my story through the Grateful Dead. I mean, I had I had a I had some people in my life that were like, "No, you need to listen to this stuff and and check it out." And and I was listening. I was starting to get turned on in the in the '90s too, probably later on in the my high school career to different groups like Savoy Brown was a band that mm-hmm. that I got turned on to that I really dug, and they were kind of you know they were kind of jammy and weird and, mm-hmm. and funky and bluesy and 
And so the Grateful Dead did kind of show up and and it was Europe 72. That was kind of all I really knew. I mean, I knew I knew the best of and I knew a couple of other things, but it was Europe 72. That well, was And that's I mean like this is again, we live in an age now where if you want to listen to 32470, you just go listen to right. it. Right. Yeah, no, that was... Like, that was not a thing even then. No, uh-uh. You had to know somebody that had... And they, this is pre-Dick's Picks. Right. This is, like, you had the official releases. Yep. And then if you were lucky enough to know somebody that had good bootlegs, yep. then you could listen to those bootlegs. Right. So it was Europe... I knew Europe 72, a couple other studio tracks, and the Touch of Grey music video. That was, like, <laughs> all I knew. Which is... Nice, but not really a representation of no. what was actually going on. Looking back on it in the context of that video, it's a goof. I mean, it's, it's a total a, goof. It's a total goof. And total it's a, goof. Yeah, and it was total like, <laughs> how how did that get so popular on MTV at the time? But whatever, it's great. Well, I think that's a great question, and I think the answer to that is is that there were enough people that were looking at Yo MTV Raps, yeah. Headbangers Ball, <laughs> yeah. and being like, this doesn't, like, I guess it's what's on, on MTV, but there's something that is not speaking to me. Yeah. And here's this thing yeah. with these guys. Look, they're old. And they're and they got, weird. And they're weird, and they don't give a fuck. Right. And like that, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Yeah. But I like it. Well, and and, and the, old, the older bands that were popular that were getting airplay on MTV were like, ironically, st- you know, Starship. You know, they were like big <laughs> bands like that had been around a while, but they had evolved and they were really clean and they were really... Sanitized. Sanitized. Yeah. And here was these haggard dudes playing. Not and then, sanitized. And they, they like, you know, turned into skeletons and like, right. and it was kind of cool puppetry and it was yeah. like... You know, it was edgy. It was dirty. It was not yeah. sanitized. It was right. yeah. So, so that was my understanding of what the Grateful Dead was, and it was a conglomeration of a lot of different ideas. But I, I just wasn't ready to kind of get inside the music. So, sure. So yeah. So call. So an, an an interesting experience that happened in college. So yeah, I I tried to clean up my act toward the end of my high school career, which didn't last much into moving to Lincoln to go to college. And I started hanging around with the dudes that did the things. Right. right. And <clears throat> I hang out. Interestingly enough, I hung out with a few guys, my first year of college that were really into kind of the, the leftover rave scene. Right. Oh. So we were really into, we were really into EDM. I really wasn't into like, you know, techno music, but they were, and they, they were the guys that party, you know, sure. they partied. So I was with them. But then I remember my friend, Sam, putting on the studio version of Shakedown Street. And I never... Okay, I know, I know it's hilarious. Which is like the worst disco record ever. Ever. But it was also some really good Grateful Dead music. Eh, I think. Okay, so sure. All right, all right. For right. my story is, they put that on, and I was like, oh, this is the Grateful... So th- this was a whole nother thing for them. Yeah. Like, it, what it introduced to me is that they weren't just Uncle John's band. They yeah. weren't just Cumberland Blues. Cumberland Blues. They were... They were they had a they had a trajectory uh-huh. through time. Sure. So they tried to. I mean, yeah, it sounds like disco, but it's also like a really good. I think a really good Grateful Dead sort of mark. Okay. All right. So I listen. I listened to that, and I was you know under the influence, and yeah. it was like so. It was this great like holy shit. This is something else. So that I just remember, and I don't. I don't. I guess I don't know any. I can't really articulate that any more than that. Sure. It, no, that's fine. It was significant to me. Yeah. It was okay. Like, that's interesting. This was fun. This was interesting. Like, uh-huh. We danced to this. We right. we 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 went down the rabbit hole with this. Uh-huh. It, it moved us in some way. Yeah, moved me cool. in some way. So that was like another thing. It was like, oh, the Grateful Dead aren't just you know make love not war. They were something else. They they had well a by that around. time, uh, society had changed. Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. were reflecting. You know the like for better or worse the dreams they had in 1967 didn't. They had changed by 1978. Right. And so they were kind of reflecting that shift. Yeah. And I think in a way they kind of accepted, yeah, we're a different thing now. Yeah. You know? I mean, the album cover on Shakedown Street speaks to that. Right, right. Very graphically. Yeah. Like, this is kind of where we are now. It's kind of a desolate. It's like you, you take that image of... Hate Street, where they're doing the the free shows yep. in what is that 67, 68, 68 yeah. And then you look at Shakedown Street, and, and like it's, it's desolate. That's kind of how that it's like it's that there's this thing about, and this is in the early 80s, but somebody there's a picture of uh, in the hate somebody had spray painted on the wall on a wall. Um, this is the AIDS of Aquarius. <laughs> oh wow! Right? Yeah. 
And so that yeah. same kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. No, that's interesting though. So I guess I guess to sum up all that, I, and and in college, like you know, I had a girlfriend that was into. I mean, there was like this, and I'm sure people out there that are of my of my particular age will understand. There was a certain sort of college neo hippie experience with like, you know, the Grateful Dead, yes, but also like. Dave Matthews Band, oh yeah, and Fish, yep, and Modesky Martin and Wood, oh yeah, and and there so there was this like kind of, I don't know, neo hippie almost frat boy rock. So you go to parties and people they would bump the Grateful Dead, but they would also bump Fish and mm-hmm. and Dave Matthews Band, and that was the music that you got high to. Sure. So like you know the music I listened to in my car, I was turn getting turned on by like, you know Radiohead, OK Computer, and I was mm. still listening to Pearl Jam's new albums, and I was mm-hmm. still listening to all that rock and roll. But when you wanted to get high, you listen to you put on the Grateful Dead, you put on Bob Marley, you put on all this stuff. So it was kind of like just this like <laughs> Bob Marley helping frat boys rise from yeah, the bonds of so oppression. Stupid. For... <laughs> and I and I could see through that. I'm like, get up, stand up for your rights. Right. To wait. to have another kegger, uh, to get a good job after you graduate. Right. Like, what are your you not stand and I kind of saw through all that. So it just right. seemed like a ridiculous pursuit. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like um auxiliary to the party right it was yeah. like well let's put on the music that we're supposed to put on right. when we smoke the drugs <laughs> and i just like was like yeah i, I right. get it and i there's i had good memories of that but as i look back on it it just seemed really artificial sure which everybody has those stupid memories of that they think that you look back on that stuff you think well that we were really doing something but we really weren't well the thing that i was chuckling to my i was kind of thinking about because we're gonna have this conversation i was really, like looking back like my introduction to the grateful dead was way more beavis and butthead than kerouac and kesey yeah yeah like it really <laughs> truly was yeah but i'm thankful that yeah. i got to have because i got turned on to these other things right. and got my you know kind of like oh we're kind of being idiots. Well, yeah. Like that's like the Grateful Dead showed me that. Nice. In a way that I don't know anybody else could have. I think, and I think now that I look back on the band and the whole story of the band, they were self-aware of that. You know what I mean? Like the the whole mythos of it allowed for all of those experiences, yeah. which is a larger dissertation. But and, 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 <laughs> but the indeed. Beavis and Butthead thing is interesting because I you know when I was in junior high and I had I had friends that had older brothers that were getting us that you know would bring us to the parties just to watch us you know not handle our liquor <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the only right, reason we were there yeah but they would I would hear stories there was this guy um, who would be like you know and this was still when they were touring so there, it was like 92 93 and they're like well the Grateful Dead are coming through wherever mm-hmm. and I went there and sold a bunch of mushrooms or sold a bunch of LSD. Right. So it it was this, it, I had a direct connection to the tour, excuse me, the tour as a big drug bazaar. Sure. You know, so that Which was Which is all. not entirely unfair. It's not unfair. No. But, but if you know, it's like, it's like I, that's the only part of the elephant I saw. So therefore mm-hmm. it was just a big excuse to, sure. I didn't, it was like the music was sort of, you know, well, and that's, I mean, that is a whole, I think for people that grew up with the dead in the seventies and eighties, like when the whole touch of gray tip hit, like that became a, a sore spot is yeah. that all of a sudden there was this influx of people yeah. that were, that had no connection to the scene right? other than, Hey, we can get loaded and throw beer bottles and, right. And just kind of, right. And, and that, th- that was... there was a resentment there, I sure. think. And, and. Yeah, and but and, like, hey, the, you're kind of ruining our thing. Thanks, right, asshole. Right, and there was a lot of there was that was the story around the campfire where I where you know small town Nebraska was that you went to the fish show to trade LSD for mushrooms, or you went to the Grateful Dead show to try cocaine for the first time. That it wasn't about I love the band, right? And they played this thing, and I'm sure there were people. Obviously, there were people there that were in, right? But there, but my story around the people that I connected with that had direct connection to the Grateful Dead was. You know, that it was just this this bockant fest, right? Which is true. Which is true. <laughs> and as I look back, and I'm actually, but, but you know, I'm reading I'm reading Euripides the Bacchae right now, and there's oh, wow. a, there's a part of me that really wants to stage it with a you know hate Ashbury uh, flavor. That's a great idea. But looking back on it through that through like an academic lens, like yes, that's exactly what it is. But when you're a kid, it's like, and so you associate. You still have those those ghosts of skull and roses as worshiping the devil, and you have like this this Christian's upbringing of you know anything that does that is evil. Sure. And then all of a sudden, well, yeah, just it just it just 
reinforce the story that, that this is that what they are these you know kind of pied pipers leading everybody into hell that's well <laughs> Straight, 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 straight into hell. Straight into hell, straight man. Straight into hell. Hell in a bucket. Q, right. Yeah. Q Bon Scott. Right. So so anyway, that's that's the bigger story. So then That's so that's yeah. so interesting. So two thousand one, I need to give up my own personal party. Right. right. Like yeah, I it. you know, I needed to get sober mm-hmm. um for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so so that happened. Mm-hmm. And then interestingly enough, I meet you. And you, you lucky ch- devil. I know. <laughs> thank, thank my lucky stars right. every night. What I what and so and I was and, and I I liked you as a per and I remember this. Okay, I liked you. I didn't know you, but I like and you were really welcoming. And I remember this. Like we were over at your apartment over on whatever that street, E Street, D Street, whatever. Yeah. And I was there with because I was forced or unforced to hang out with Chris. Me, right. which I love you, Chris, if you're listening. Right. But I remember we went over there and like. We hung out and we're stone cold sober. And you're like, we're going to listen to the dead. We're going to listen to some live dead. Uh-huh. And I remember we turned down the lights and we all just laid there and listened. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell is happening? Right. And then I really listened to it. Uh-huh. I least we listened to a whole show uh-huh. and I didn't have any other choice, but to hang out with people that weren't getting high. But I'm like, right. wait, this is weird because we're not getting high or drunk, but here we are like, totally zoning out to the Grateful Dead like I did with my college roommate mm-hmm. to Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I don't have anything in my system. Right. And so... Besides the, anxiety. Yeah, and... besides anxiety, fear, self-consciousness, pride. Right. Yeah. Um, those were my drugs of choice at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was really kind of disorienting to mm. me to experience the act, what I understand the Grateful Dead to be now after having made a conscious choice in my life to not experience drugs anymore. And, right. and you were sort of the, you were the captain of that trip, right? To, wow. to the parlance of that Which time. is really funny because like I, my life wasn't going real well at the time. And I, was I thought you were prob- doing great. Well, I, you know, okay. <laughs> but like I had, you know, I was really struggling with life. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I'm glad that you had that experience, but I was very much in a place of, like, I don't think at the time my relationship with, like, this music, like, it was a, it was a very much like an escapism thing. Sure. Yeah. And this was a new, yeah, that's interesting because it wasn't for me. Yeah. This was like, I don't know how to live life sober. I'm going to do what these, yeah, nobody does, (laughs) but I, I'm going to do what these people are doing because I don't have not, not like, yeah, it was just like, I'm going to try a new thing. I need to, I need to let go of old ideas. Sure. So, so there was some real serendipity of me mm-hmm. starting a path of recovery with you and a couple other people because I watched you guys continue on and, and engage in the music in a sober fashion. Mm. And, it was a new. It was new. It was reclaiming old ideas for me. It was. Mm-hmm. It was erasing old stereotypes for me. And so there was. Mm-hmm. I mean, sp- I guess looking back on it, really spiritually, it was this. It was a whole. It was a part of what I was doing with my entire perspective, anyway. Sure. So the Grateful Dead and that music really kind of, kind of flowed in right away. Isn't and I didn't. I didn't jump on happens? the bus right away. Yeah, but it, it was. That was really great. That was uh-huh. my first like. Oh. These people are living life sober, moderately okay with it, and the you know the whole thing is that they were digging the music, yeah. you know, and they were they were going to shows. You were going to see mm-hmm. Phil Lesh and friends. You yeah, that poster right there, and you were coming. You were talking about it. I didn't get on the bus yet, but I was right. like, oh, these people aren't idiots. Like I hang out with them. Right. I hang out with yep. them and talk about real life stuff, and they help me through stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're actually not dopehead ding dongs. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a major thing, though. Huge. Still, the perception is like, "Oh, you like the Grateful Dead? You must be a dopehead ding dong." Exactly. And, and it's you guys like, weren't. Go fuck yourself. Like you guys went to work, <laughs> right? Yeah. And like took showers. You know, and right. when my girlfriend dumped me, you hung out with me and helped me. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, oh, these people aren't just self-centered assholes. Right. They well. like the music. Well, there's that. <laughs> but they like the music. That the yeah. music is 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 something else for me. So that, as I started to kind of come back into that, it was, uh, 
you know, it was a big deal. Mm. And we had hung out a lot, but we, yeah. and I knew you were a deadhead and I knew you dig all, dug all that, but I was still kind of on my own thing. And I still, yeah. to a certain extent, am, yeah. but it was that trip that we made to Lake McConaughey. You remember I rode out there with you, right? What year was that? Was that that one? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. But I think I rode out there with you. But we listened to... If, you said, ride in, if you ride in the car on the interstate with me, you're going to listen to some Grateful Dead. And I knew that. Right. And so what I said to myself was, I'm going to ask him some internal questions about the Grateful Dead because uh-huh. I know that you can talk about it and answer it. I can't help myself. And I said, I remember, I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, I remember saying, like, what do I need to hear? Oh. I was, play me something, like... Essential. Yeah. Play me something essential. Like, if you could pick... The quintessential. I wonder what gr- I played. I don't remember. I don't either. <laughs> I don't remember because it was a bunch of numbers like three eight forty eight. You know, like all the the. What <laughs> My you head to- immediately goes to six twenty one eighty six. But anyway, it very well could have been that. Yeah. And I remember saying, you know, all right, show me the way. Yeah, show me what what it is about this that I'm not seeing. And I remember you played some stuff, and what I heard was. I heard all the things. I heard right. jazz. I heard rock and roll. Mm. I heard Americana. Sure. But one thing, when I remember talking to you about that on that trip was that I heard uh, each individual member of the band on their own thing together. Right. On their own you, thing together. And you're not the first person that I've had this similar conversation with that said that. And that just opened up a lot of spiritual things for me. Sure. Like it was this group philosoph- mind. Group mind. And that, you know, that's what group I was. conscience or lack I, thereof. That's what I was experiencing in school. Yeah. Like the, you know, when I was making some of my own theater work, I was really interested in group mind work and ensemble work and device work that was coming mm-hmm. out of nothing but each other. And we were just doing it in the room. And so I could get on that bus immediately. Mm-hmm. And wow. We, and I never had a chance to really hear it that way. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was noodling around stuff but when i heard it when you explained what phil was doing versus what billy was doing versus what jerry was doing and how bobby was you know supplanted, yeah, yeah. And... and how the and, and I, I don't even remember the jam but it was this it was like they're all on their how are they doing their own individual thing together they're playing the melody by not playing the melody <laughs> like all of those things and and you know sober as the day i was born right seeing all the things yeah and yeah. that's when i really got on the bus that's and i could let go of those old ideas about grateful deadheads like sure and then then became one <laughs> you know what i mean right. but like i could let go of all that crap and say oh this is okay nope i get it this is something yeah. else and i want to i want to hear i want to hear that as often as i can now now see yeah. here's the what is i totally and completely did not I do not remember that until you bring it up. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, I can see that we did that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, what I was trying to figure out this morning was why when um further 2013 yeah. Broomfield, Colorado. Yeah. Those yeah. were your first actual shows, right? Yes. Yep. That was my first live Grateful Dead music experience. Yeah. But, yeah. So you were, but you were already kind of on the bus before then i was getting i was getting more i was like you were you you were like oh okay this is something other than what i've always thought it was bigger than drugs in the parking lot or whatever yeah 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 it was uh rather than just you saw the music i saw the music i saw i saw each individual member of the band um explore their own universe Mm. as a larger universe (laughs) Right, and I think people out there will understand what I mean. But that that was the thing that was bl- mind blowing to me because I have a little music experience, mm-hmm. and it was like they weren't all. It wasn't. Yeah, there was a heartbeat, and there was a. They had to get through the song, mm-hmm. but there was those. Some of those mind expanding jams were about uh, playing around the melody. Oh yeah, playing around the the structure. Um, to then then give structure to it. It's kind of like one of my favorite playwrights who is who is I, I like to consider him a friend of mine, Eric N. He's a playwright that writes he writes words around the thought that he wants instead mm-hmm. of writing the thought. And that I was like, that's what they're doing. You said, and this is fairly recently, but I think we'd come back from Broomfield and you were really like actively engaged like actively like listening to music. Yes, yes. And you called me just to say that you were listening to, 
I think it was the it was eighty five show. I think it was like one of the Greek eighty five shows, just mm-hmm. to say that the music was so intense it made you nervous. Yes. Like, yes. You're just driving in your car and you're like, yes. I this is yes. I, I, I don't remember. That just, yeah, that just uh, and it, I was I was like, that's that makes perfect sense because that's really ugly. Yeah, nasty. And that was a dangerous new... music. Yeah, sloppy and yeah. But like when they get it going, it's like you just kind of have to hold on, either dance, yeah. or just hold on. And that was a new narrative for me about the dead. Like it wasn't just feel good, spin around. You right. know, it was like, oh, oh. it's hairy. It's dark. Yeah. It's it's they're dealing with some demons there. Yep. And they're dealing with it through the the, yep. the language they've already written. Yep. And so you can listen to something like that from nineteen eighty five. You listen to the same song from seventy seven and it's Different a thing. whole other deal. Yep. And that was really fascinating to me. That's I like one one of my the early eighties dead for me is I sometimes refer to it as desperation dead. Yeah. Huh. Because they're all just so nuts. Yeah. And like, and you that that edge and that, like, just getting them on stage. Wow, is something. Yeah, that's well. Think about the music at the time. Think about the 1980s. Oh my God! And what they had seen through the 60s and 70s yeah. into that. I mean, of course they were nervous. <laughs> I, I get the I get the feeling that everybody was a little nervous. Right. But yeah, so yeah, it was that was the thing that was really fascinating to me is that there was a larger story, and they they'd written this long book with the same, you know, it, the new music was coming out, of course, but you know, you listen listen to Saint Stephen from whenever, and then you listen to it in ninety one. That it's clip like, we were just exactly. Listening to. It's like, wow, they were they were always themselves at the time, you know, and they that I, there's just so much you can say, but that. So anyway, I, yeah, I'm on the bus, and 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 the further stuff was really wild because that was the first time I heard it. I heard, you know, I heard it live, and they were doing the things live, and um, and I remember sitting, and I remember the, the, the okay, so the whole uh, the whole following, yeah. I felt a yeah. part of. I I didn't need to do the drugs or wear mm-hmm. the shirts to feel. I was like, oh, I can be just as a part of this collective. With my with my Pearl Jam shirt on and my tight jeans or whatever, like in my sneakers, then right. I don't need to, I don't I don't need to look like everybody else to be on the bus. Well, I think, uh, and Phil Lesh said this um, in a roundabout sort of way. Somebody asked him like, and I'm paraphrasing in a big way, but somebody asked him at some point in time like what he thought, like if there was a song that kind of epitomized them yeah. that maybe wasn't theirs, and he said Dance in the Streets by Martha and the Vandellas. Far out, yeah. Like that's a song about revolution. Yeah. It's a song Doesn't about... Doesn't matter what you wear. As long as you're there. Yeah. And like that, I'm like, oh, bingo. Yeah. And I subscribe to that. And and it was cool because I remember at those further shows. I mean, we were, I experienced a lot, a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's not the lot from the Grateful Dead tour, but I experienced the people mm-hmm. and the sense of camaraderie mm-hmm. and the sort of that's such all, a huge thing. We're all in this, right. and it wasn't it wasn't like muscling for cool rank. Right. It was like that who was are an you? Element, who, but... are you? Right. who are you? Where are you? Strangers from? stopping strangers. Yes. Yeah. Just to say hello. Right. And yeah, so I was, I was, I remember I gave myself permission to sit down and just close my eyes and listen to further jam. Mountains of the moon. Yeah. And I remember, I remember saying, this is meditation. This is, this is all of that stuff. And, and that's, I think when I was like, okay, I, I have, I have no shame about being on the bus. I love this. I'll listen to it. I'll you know Wave I'll listen flag. to everything yeah I'll listen to everything else too right. but this is this is something else for me. Well, that's because uh, I I've been think trying to pinpoint like when did when did Joel like get you know the the ping mm-hmm. and I, I remember during Mountains of the Moon or that first further show at Broomfield the night when Bob Weir could not stop messing playing with, with that, his with that stupid pedal playing with his toys was, right he was obsessed about that one knob whatever it was but during Mountains of the Moon you were, you had sat down. And you were kind of leaning forward, and it was during a instrumental passage, and the music kind of swelled up. Yeah. And I watched you, like, get pushed back. Yeah. Like that uh, physical manifestation of the yeah. way the sound wave coming yep. over. Yep. And it, that was moving for me. Yeah. That yeah. made that show because I, I mean, I felt it too. Yeah. Like, oh my God, that's it. Just opened up, and yep. here it comes. Yep. And then I watched you kind of 
get pushed back in your seat, whether yep. it's by emotion or sound wave or just a realization. I don't know what it was, yep. but it was a big deal. Yeah, I think it's it, it, uh, having done no, barely, barely no psychedelics in my life. Right. This was a thing that I, I this was changing my perception. It was, mm. it was, it was, it was, it was uh, ego deflation in the best mm. way. It was inside. It was, it was a, a, a tapping into something larger. It was all those things, right? And and people that are not on the like, there's a version of me that is hearing me say this stuff that is saying bullshit, right? You know, <laughs> right? But fuck Absolutely. that, right? Like that's that's <laughs> sort of the great thing about this music yeah. is that when I I've experienced I'm, uh, ha- having made the choice to get on the ride. Mm-hmm. It doesn't Buy matter. Buy the ticket, take the ride. It doesn't matter. Right. So yeah, that was significant. And so then we've had some other like we went to Joe J- Russo, J Rad went to Joe Russo's almost. Thing. Oh my God, that's like. So here's the that's here's, Megadeth dead. In, yeah. yeah, I mean just <laughs> yeah and insane. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, fare thee well. Oh. I'm so glad that they did that. <sighs> if for yeah. no other reason. Is that my friend Joel got to hear Mickey Hart bang on the things through the big PA system? I got to hear the the beam. I right. got on the beam on on in a stadium it, through okay. a PA of that magnitude. Like where else are you gonna have that experience? Nowhere else. That was an amazing experience. <laughs> that was un incredible. Right. Because I had I was like, how does that how does that further camaraderie I experienced does that actually translate when when the actual Deadheads come out to play at Soldier Field for three nights? How, what is it? I, I got a small <laughs> taste of what it's like to have seen them on tour right. from you know and uh, and how it sounds and mm-hmm. how it feels. And when, I will never forget. I think it was the third night. I will never ever forget. Uh, I remember looking and scanning, and and taking like a like a brain recording mm-hmm. from from my extreme left periphery and took a slow scan all the way across Soldier Field, mm-hmm. and and then I looked over at you and you were just going ham crazy. Like you may have even <laughs> been openly weeping. I was for most of that second set that last night, and I was just falling. look looking at everybody and they were all dancing. I was like, this is divine. Yeah, in the purest sense of the word, mm-hmm. this is this is a, a God experience that mm-hmm. I'm going to record. And whenever I doubt the existence of of like the divine, I'm going to remember, and I can still see it to this day. Mm-hmm. And that was significant to me personally. Mm-hmm. But I think I felt the this is good. I the self awareness, but I felt the vibes rise from that stadium into mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. Totally, that was unbelievable, and it sounded amazing, and I had a blast, and yeah. So all the whole the whole weekend was great, but just I I got it, I got it yet again, and I'm glad I got to experience it, and I'm really glad they did that so that I could feel that experience because that is something that will I will that's a touchstone now as I listen to old recordings mm-hmm. that it's it reclaimed <clears throat> this old idea that this was all just stupid debauchery devil worship or whatever right <laughs> like right, it, i was right. like no 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 that's i i can i can tap into that divinity mm-hmm. at any time i want to and that's why i'm on the bus and i don't think once you're on i don't think you get off so thank you for being my captain trips to the whole Shit. experience man i don't know that i'm that but i'm damn glad that we get to have this experience yeah and I, thanks for this podcast because i know that you've you've mentioned here that you do this. You did started doing this because I said, "Hey, it's just like let me be on a road trip as I commute right. to Don everyone." Yeah, That's re- why I started. It. Yeah, I'm like, well, and you then, know, what like would the, Steve play? The next morning, I like researched <laughs> and found a hosting thing, and yeah, an hour later, I had a podcast. It's great. Yeah, and it just seems to keep evolving. Yeah. Well, right on, man. Is there anything else you think we ought to cover? Dude, we could talk way too long. We probably. could talk all day about this, but right. yeah, cool. Thank so you. what? So you have you introduced the what we're listening to? No, I haven't. Are actually. you going to play music, or are we just I don't is know. the well, podcast? We're, we're like I might. What I might do is up another one. Nice. Well, but I, the show that I've been talking about is that three twenty four seventy from yeah. Pirates World, <laughs> which is weird. It's I, weird. Li- I listen to it a little bit. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Well, seventies uh kind of a weird year. There's yeah. a lot happening there. Yeah. But like, and I have a hard time. It's maybe not the best way to kind of get in because the sound is just odd. It is odd. The recording. The I couldn't way, find a, a sound a sound source that sounded good. Right, and that's. I mean, 
uh, the best ones, the Charlie Miller soundboard. And again, thank you, Charlie. If you're Thanks, listening. Charlie. Yeah, for everything that you do. Um, but the thing we have to take into consideration is that that's a 47-year-old archival <laughs> recording. It's a field recording that they took just so they could, you know. It's far out. There's no reason that should exist or that we should be able to hear it. Yeah, it's it's and so you kind of have to have a, a certain amount of w- what I would give to hear that concert played with modern equipment. Yeah, modern recording equipment, yeah. modern PA equipment. Modern, yeah, you know, because it was weird. It was weird for them. It's I felt like it was a weird. It was a weird thing for them. They just like <laughs> let's play amusement park out of I, nowhere. I don't. I think that was and there's this, and I will post it. Uh, I think I probably will have to divide this into another podcast just for you know time's sake, but. There's this blog post that details this blog is amazing, and I'm gonna try and bring it up here without stopping this recording. Where's my mouse? This is gonna be. He's boring. gonna blow this it. This is gonna be right. This is gonna be boring to listen to. Uh, it is uh, lostlivedead.blogspot.com. You gotta check these guys. Are these out. guys? Are these guys like the? These are the 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 academics of Grateful Dead. I. They're amazing. They look at this website, man. Look at this. All those years and all of these cross-references. Oh, wow. And they get into the minutia that makes me look sane. Yeah. <laughs> like LostLiveDead.blogspot.com. Like, this is, uh, yeah, LostLiveDead.blogspot.com. Amazing. There went and migrating. This, this weird little show, like, they were headed, they, like, if you look, I'm going to look, okay, I'm going to hold, they He's went the from, I'm getting out the book, man, I'm getting out Dead Base. Dead Base. Um, because, look. What's amazing about this, you think, here's what's amazing, is their touring schedule in 1969, they played 145 concerts in 1969. That's and this is not touring like... No, this is touring with like... Buses and... No, no, no. This is this is like hired guns and people like, you have to carry around all this crap yeah. and they're just figuring it out day to day. See, it sounds like they were just figuring it out day to day. Shitty promoters and cash and... Just chaos, just yeah. insane. So sixty nine tickets getting stolen. Yeah, one hundred and forty nine. Well, later when I was seeing them, the FBI was investing counterfeiting. I mean, it's just crazy town. Yeah. But in in seventy, one hundred and forty six shows, all because their balls were nailed to the wall by Warner Brothers and Lenny Hart. Yeah, Lenny wow. Hart stole their advance, and Warner Brothers said, "Fuck you, pay me." Right. So what do you do? You play tour, the music. You play music. What, yeah. And so, like in, in 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 on the 21st of March, they were in Port Chester, New York, at the Capitol Theater. On the 24th, they were in Dania, Florida, which is basically Miami. Yeah. And then on the 3rd of of April, they were in Cincinnati. So they went from New York to Miami <laughs> to Cincinnati to play one concert. Weird. That's not a great touring schedule. No. But it's not efficient, guys. No. But but the, the according to this blog post, they were actually going down to Florida to play like a big festival that got shut down by the man. Uh, Long hair rock festivals not real popular in, in Florida, Florida at the time, and no. so they went down to play this big festival where they were actually going to get paid, and they stopped to do this gig because they were there and right. they could. But according to lore in this blog post, and this actually time wise makes it is legit, I think. During this time period is when they wrote trucking. Far out. Right, because they had all this time and they're sitting. They were trucking. They were trucking, big time. (laughs) Yeah. So you know, I mean, that in itself is interesting, and we'll get into that. I don't know. Maybe I'll just tack a little music onto this one. I'll think about it. Um, because we can play some of that. It's just a really nice. It's a nice little Grateful Dead concert, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Um, and they get shut off by curfew, and it's just kind of like they do Love Light into Me and My Uncle. Yeah. And then they just end Me and My Uncle, and Garcia says, we're out of time, folks. Sorry. You know. Yeah. Pirate's World. Pirate's World. I love that it's Pirate's World. Right. Because, yeah. Apparently, it was a popular place until um, Disney World opened up. Yeah. And then it just, you know, closed. So, anyway, Grateful Dead... Joel Egger. Steve Erbauer. Yeah. You want anything else you feel like you need to say? No, man. There's so much more to say, though. There's always more to say. And I think that, um, I guess, you know, thank you for thank you for welcoming me on the bus. And sure. I feel like this is the cool thing is, like, I'm having, I have, since that whole thing about getting on the, you know, and listening and going to further and fairly well, I have my own I have my own likes. I have my own opinion. You know, like I, I'm not. 
I'm not looking to anyone else to tell me how to like the Grateful Dead anymore. Yeah, right. I have my own thing with it. Isn't that great? It's great. That's, you know, it's weird. You put four or five deadheads in a group together and everybody else just looks at it like, ah, fuck, we're out of here. Oh, man. I don't (laughs) understand. They're speaking a different language. Right. Let's go do something else. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. No, thanks, man. Keep doing it. Right on, man. Thanks for coming over. Okay, gosh, that was fun. Um, Joel's gone on his way out the door. We were trying to figure out. He asked me if I was going to play, you know, that three twenty four seventy, and I think I'll wait and serve that up here shortly as a separate podcast because I think it's worth its own uh, podcast. But he said, "Why don't you play that uh, that Mountains of the Moon that we were talking about?" And I think that's appropriate. Uh, this is from uh, February twenty third, twenty thirteen, in Broomfield, Colorado, at the arena. There, nice little place. Um, and this is, you know, Bob and Phil and Joe Russo and uh, John Kay from Dark Star Orchestra. And uh, uh, it was a great time. And I've seen it further a number of times and I've always enjoyed it. It's a little different thing, but uh, I'm certainly uh, glad they did it. That's a whole other podcast. So anyway, um, here's the piece of music that we were referencing. Um, you can have your own experience with it. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Further, uh, Broomfield, Colorado, 22313, Mountains of the Moon.
that's it for this one that was further february 23rd 2013 from broomfield colorado and uh, my conversation with my friend joel egger i will see you again shortly uh with uh 32470 is on the docket all right everybody have a great one later mm-hmm.